So, uh, so Mom's Day, Mother's Day. We're talking, uh, we just started last week talking about the opposite way. Here at K2, if you haven't been here much, uh, we, typically, we typically go through a series for a few weeks, and we just started talking about the opposite way last week. And we started talking about the opposite way because so many things with God are the opposite of the way you and I would do things. So many things with God are, are almost counterintuitive. Um, how many of you remember, just to kind of explain this, how many of you remember learning to ride a bike? Kind of remember that process? How many of you helped somebody else learn to ride a bike? Okay. Um, and that moment when Susie is getting ready, you take the training wheels off, you know, you look for the crescent wrench, and you finally find it, and you take off the training wheels, and Susie's ready to go, and she's kind of nervous, and she's been doing good on those training wheels, but now is the day, right? And what does Susie say in her mind about that event? This is going to be exciting and fun, but she knows in her heart that if she does what, she'll be safe. If I only go nice and slow while I'm learning to ride this bike, I'll be safe, right? Because we think that, don't we? The slower I go, the safer I'll be. I'll be able to catch myself. I'll be able to balance better. It's less fearful. I won't be able to fall. Or do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? And what do you all know? Because you know how to ride a bike. What do you all know at this point that you didn't know then? That actually it's safer and easier and better to go all in and to go faster. Right? But, but it doesn't make sense to us. And so there's a number of experiences like that in life that are our first, our first impulse our first intention, our, our gut says do this, but we find out that it's opposite. And so there's so many things in following Jesus that are the opposite way of what you and I would do. And last week we started looking at the Beatitudes, and we talked about the fact that Jesus come on the scene teaching. He comes and he brings a message. He comes and he's got his first real big crowd, and it's kind of who he is and what his teaching is all about. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked last week about how Jesus, right from the start, says, blessed are those who are humble, because you you can't have God's stuff, you can't have the kingdom of heaven until you understand how to receive it. That it's not about you pridefully or aggressively being good, it's about you receiving from him. And and that's what we talked about last week. And so this week, we're actually going to we're going to press pause just for a second on the, the Beatitudes, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, about this biblical pattern of, of opposite way, and we're going to talk about it a little bit in the life of Peter, and then we're going to roll it out into you and me. See, this pattern is the biblical pattern. As you look back through the Scriptures, as God calls people to follow Him, there is always this notion of the opposite way of the way they would do things. Do you remember... Um, do you remember Abraham and this story of Abraham and he lived in a place called Ur and, and God said to him, I want you to pack up everything you've known, all your family, all your possessions, and I want you to leave. And, and as you go, I'll, I'll tell you where you're going, right? How many of you would sell your house, pack up, pack the truck and take off and as you get to go north or south, you're, you're planning on hearing from God whether you go north or south? Most of us want a plan, or at least most of our wives want to have a better plan than that, right? right? Most of us want a better plan than that. But there's this notion of ridiculous opposite way stuff, okay? 
And so this, this pattern, we're going to see it. Uh, we're going to jump right into Mark, chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. Simon, his name became Peter. You might know him as Peter, the Apostle Peter. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing their nets out into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. Now these guys probably had a bit of experience with Jesus, but they didn't have tons. They probably knew him already as this up-and-coming teacher with authority, and, and maybe they knew that, and we don't know how much of that they knew, but they really didn't know him very much. And he said, leave behind everything you've known and come and follow me. Now, Peter had no idea that what that meant. He had no idea that he would see this powerful teacher, and, and he would eventually become to, come to believe that he is the Messiah, that he is God, come to earth, that he's God's son. And so he, he had no idea he would see water turned into wine. He had no idea that he would be involved in this huge swell of, of popularity and ministry and see people healed from diseases, see a, a man raised from the dead, see people with demons cast out of them. He had no idea. He had no idea that Jesus would send him out without an extra change of clothes and say, go out for a while and do the same. He had no idea that Jesus would call him to walk on water. He had no idea that Jesus would become this amazing figure in, in Jerusalem and be arrested because what he spoke went against religion. And he had no idea that his Messiah, his Savior, would be killed and that then he would be threatened. He had no idea that Jesus would rise from the dead and, and he had no idea that he, Peter, would become, j- just this fisherman from Galilee, would speak to thousands. He, just, he had no idea about all of that. And probably if Jesus said, as he walked by that shore, he said, listen, Peter, I want to turn your world upside down. I, I want you to follow me because, and then list off all those things that we just said. And eventually, you know what? After this, after you take the gospel everywhere, eventually, you're going to die for the sake of me and my gospel. What do you think Peter's response would have been? Uh, Andrew, let's grab that other set of nets. Right? There's no way they would have followed. And Jesus calls to him and he says, follow me. And in that moment, what does Peter know? Peter knows Jesus loves him. And he knows that Jesus called him to follow. And he knows that Jesus, there's something special about him. He can't quite put his finger on it, but there's something, there's something there that I want. And in that moment, at that shore, Peter follows Jesus. And he follows him into lots of opposite ways. Do you remember when they went north? And, and they're going north, and, and Jesus decides to go through Samaria. It's the opposite way. There's no reason to go through Samaria. There's no reason to talk to women. Why the opposite way, Jesus? Jesus, why when we we go to Jerusalem, why do you spend all your time with the worst of people? Jesus. Like, don't you understand? That's what's given us all these problems. And Jesus says, I came for the sick, not for those who think they're healthy. And there's this opposite way thread that that weaves through. And so in that moment, at that shore, 
Peter began a journey with, with Christ of following even though he didn't know he didn't know the end. Abraham the same. Moses the same. God calls to him and says, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. He had no idea that would put him so deep into harm's way, right in the middle of Egypt, right with the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh. And he had no idea about the plagues, and he had no idea about the running, and he had no idea that he was supposed to believe God to cross the sea. And wow, he had no idea. And he had no idea about the fact that this group of people he's leading, 40 years, 40 years camping. He had no idea. But God said, I'll be with you. And he followed him. There's a guy named Gideon who was one of the judges. You can check it out in Judges 7. Fearful guy. And God uses him. And they go to battle against the Midianites. And they're, they're lined up. And there's literally locusts. Literally dozens. Or uh, <laughs> more than dozens. There's literally thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of Midianites. And they have 22,000. And they're pretty nervous about the numbers. Because they only got 22,000 warriors from Israel. And, and Gideon's leading them. And God says this. He says, Gideon, he said, if you, if you beat the Midianites with your 22,000, you'll get the whole thing wrong. You'll think that you guys were amazing. That even though you're outnumbered, you do it. And he said, so he took him through this thing. And they whittled their group down to 300 men. 300 fighters. He said, now... Now I want you to fight the Midianites. And God delivers the Midianites into their hands through this crazy opposite way because God wanted Gideon to trust him. And he wanted the people to trust him. And so God takes us on these opposite ways specifically so that we would know him and trust him. We could go on and on. David, remember we talked about David a few weeks ago? David, anointed to be the king of Israel. How long was it until he became the king of Israel? It was over 20 years before he became the king of Israel. And in that, he was all, all through all kinds of fights and in the king's palace to on the run and in caves and totally decided to bail out and go with the Philistines. And, and God brought him back and saved him from himself. All of this opposite way, God weaving this story, creating relationship and trust with you and me. Because the way I would do things are much more direct. If, if this is it, I want my answer tomorrow, and I want to be going in that direction. I don't know if you're like that or not, but I want clarity. I want details. I want secure outcomes. Can anybody relate with that? Absolutely. We want that, but here's the thing, is when I create my direction and I create my secure outcomes, who at the end of the day do I trust in? I trust in me. And we all know that our illusions of control aren't really real, that anything can happen, right? We all know that. But, but it's only when we step in with God and we say, okay, God, I'm, as much as I can, God, I, I'm going to trust you with my life. And I'm going to go that way. So that's kind of the big picture of this opposite way that we're talking about. And, and it really does, it, it rolls out in a couple of, in a couple of ways. Personally, it rolls out for us. Um, you see, as, as people, we, we do. We want, we want control. We want control over our lives. And, and personally, let me say something a little bit too strong, and then I'll come back. 
But I want to let you wrestle with this. If, if in your experience in life, okay, if in your experience in life that the God that you know and read in the Bible, and if he is always in agreement with your personality and your plans, do you understand what I'm saying? If, if you go and you read the Bible and you, and you pray and you say, God, what do I do with my life? And if, if he is always in agreement with everything that you want to do and, and everything that's kind of your style, and, and amazingly, God has the same personality traits that I do. Wow. If that's you, I'd, I want to show you this mirror. Um, I, don't, I don't know that you're really listening to what God would have for you. Because so often in the scriptures, I read that God takes people to places that they're uncomfortable. Peter, Peter comes out of his time with Jesus and, and Christ has, rescinded, uh, has ascended to heaven. And, and right away as things get started, Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, salvation isn't for the Jews only, it's for the Gentiles. And he's disgusted. How could it be? And God takes him from where he's comfortable beyond that to the opposite way to the good truth that God loves everybody. And he shapes and molds Peter in it. And so here's the thing. If you're not seeing this opposite way played out in your own life, um, you're probably not really all that willing to listen to what God would have for you. If in your personal life you don't see this kind of pattern of the opposite way, where you know that God is calling you into something. And I'm not just talking about circumstances that go south, because all of us in life, we have circumstances that go south, right? We, we just do. The car breaks, all that kind of stuff. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that you know that God is calling you into something different that stretches you, that's opposite from the way you would go. If you don't have that experience, I want to encourage you to say, God, would you help me to hear you better? Would you help me to submit to your way? Would you help me to, to actually go your way? Help me to hear and then have the courage to go that way. You know, in Mark, further on, uh, in verse 32, it goes on, and, and the disciples and Jesus are actually at Peter's house, okay? He's a follower now, and they're actually at Peter and Andrew's house. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus because here's what's happening. Jesus is doing this ministry, and it's exploding, this ministry is just booming, and people are hearing about it, and from all over, they're coming to, to see Jesus, and they're actually congregated at Peter's house, which, you know, I mean, if you're kind of one of his new followers, and this is in your town, and it's at your house, that's a pretty cool thing, right? Because all these people are getting healed. Verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door to watch. And then uh, further down, I think we go to verse 35, it says, uh, they all go to bed, and uh, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, and he leaves. He goes out to an isolated place to pray. And he's there for some time, and, and Peter is looking for him, because who's there? The whole town. And, and Peter knows that this is a good thing. We've got hundreds of people gathered, and this is exciting. And Jesus is gone, and he's left. And, and so here's what he says. Um, Peter, it says, went out to try to find him. And uh, they found him, and Jesus, uh, Peter says to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, we must go to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. 
And so you have this amazing pattern that Jesus does where just about the time all the crowds catch up to him, he moves. And at this one, this hits Peter right at home because this is his place. And he loves it and he wants this ministry right here in his spot, at his house. And Jesus, being no respecter of location, says, now we're going to go and we're going to continue this in other places. And they do. And Jesus goes the opposite way. And you find that when he feeds the 5,000. And all these people, and they're expecting breakfast because they just ate a great meal the night before, and they're expecting breakfast. And who's gone come morning? Jesus. And he sends his disciples out across the lake for another stretching, growing experience for them. And so personally, if you and I aren't experiencing this, I just... I'm pretty sure, I can almost tell you 100% for you, that God has more for you. If you're not experiencing a God who calls you to more, I just want to let you know there's something more that he has for you, and it's good. You know, in James, there's this passage. Let me just read this to you. In James chapter 4, um, James writes this. He says, look here, you who say, and this hits, the reason I read this is because this hits me at home, Okay says, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there for a year or two. And we're going to do business there and we're going to make a profit. Okay? Now, I want you to know that James never says, okay, that going to a town for a year or two and making a profit is the wrong thing. So listen to what he says. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town, we'll stay there a year, we'll do business there, we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. We see the morning fog all the time here in this valley, don't we? Especially if you live high east or west or, or south, you see this morning fog sit in this valley. And he says, that's what our lives are like individually. It's like the morning fog. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say, now hear, hear what James says. What you ought to say is, If the Lord wants us to, we'll live and we'll do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans and such boasting is evil. So James jumps right into our heart. He doesn't say making plans is wrong, but he says that where you and I ought to live is in this openness of saying, God, if you want me to do this, tell me to do it. If you want me to, these plans will succeed. But if not, you'll tell me something else to do. Now, I can just tell you from my experience that I, I know that there's been times where I've been like this and I know there's times that I've been like, God, these are my plans and we're going to do these. And there's a huge difference, isn't there? And God calls us into this opposite way. For me, uh, just thinking about this, we have seen God uh, move us and stretch us and take us uh, to different places. We worked in Africa for a little bit. And, and just about the, we, we were in Oregon and I was a youth pastor and we were there for seven years. And just about the times I felt like, man, things are blossoming. And I'm speaking here and there and I'm on the radio. And just some, you know, just if you're in the same place and you're working for a bit of time, things start to happen. And you should see that with your business and you should see that in your community where you live. Do you know what I'm saying? After you've been there for a while, relationships should just start to, to go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Business, home, ministry, whatever they are. And so God called us to go to Africa. And what if, 
What if we would have said, ah, ah, I don't know. And, and what if we even made it spiritual and made it impossible for God to prove us? We created some metric by which God, there's no way he could prove to us that that's what he really said. That it was just, it was over emotion, it was pizza, it was anchovies, it was jalapenos, whatever it was. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and I wouldn't trade it for the world but I would never have created it. And I could probably say the same thing about Utah because I thought, Utah, right? And I would never trade it. I would never trade it. Okay, so first is personally. Second is corporate, all right? Corporately. Um, corporately, we just see in the Bible that as the church Okay, different, different local churches, the body of Israel. We see God leading corporately in the opposite way. You remember, and we'll just fly through this, but remember the people come out of Egypt and, you know, do you ever really go camping with a million people without a good plan for how to feed them? No way, right? And, and so God decides, you know, we, we can't just kill off all the animals everywhere and there's no, there's no way to, to plant crops when you're on the move and so what I'll do is I'll just rain grain, sweet grain, nice tasting grain. I'll just rain grain out of the sky, right? And that's an opposite way kind of thing, right? It's not too often that people think up, well, the, the food will just float down out of the sky for us, right? And so he, here's the thing that you got to know is that if God calls you to go somewhere personally, corporately, he's going to provide, even though it's often opposite way, He's always going to take care of us. He just is. And as he calls us into opposite ways, he's going to not only lead us and guide us, but he's going to take care of us. And you see that in, in lives and in groups and in the church. Um, as the church went out and grew, God used the church to, to give back to itself. There's places in, in, in Corinth, in the Corinthians, where we read that the church across the sea, across the ocean, across the known world was used to support the church over here. And just as this very poor church was able to give, out of their poverty, was able to give, the Macedonian church was able to give to help in Jerusalem greatly. And we see all kinds of opposite way things going on corporately. And God leads us and guides us there. So, so corporately, and, and you know as K2, if you've been around for a while, that at K2 we say, man, we know this is an adventure with Christ. The adventure of following him. And corporately, we should expect God to lead us in some opposite ways. All right? Now, as we get into that, what does that look like for us? Okay? Some of you, this might be your first Sunday here. Welcome. Um, and some of this might seem odd. But uh, if you've been around for a while, you know that we as a church are always going to be about multiplying. We, we as a church want to see churches grow up and down this whole Wasatch Front, down this whole valley. If you've lived here your whole life, um, there's a, there is a lot of religion here in, and religious people here in this valley. But there is, there's nowhere in America at all that has less Christians than in right where we're at. Okay? And so if you've lived here your whole life, you might not know that. But this is the lowest percentage of Christians anywhere. And, and our goal is to bring the gospel of Jesus to as many people as possible through this whole valley and up and down this whole front. And... And that's going to be our vision going forward. But, but we expect that God's going to lead us in opposite ways. We just do. We expect that, 
that he's going to lead us into his good things into opposite directions. And so for us as a church, you need to know that that is what we are always going to be about. The vision is this great commandment to, to reach out and take the gospel to more and more and more people. So you know that as we've been talking, if you've been here, we've been, we've been talking about some new facilities. Um, we have two campuses. We have a south campus. This is our south campus. We've been here for just over a year and a half. We have our, a north campus that we've been at for six years at 2100 South. And we, um, we've been talking about new facilities because as a management team and our business board and our spiritual board, they know that we need a facility here at South. How many of you have ever been involved with uh, setup and teardown down here, ever? Yeah, it's a lot of work. And all of us, almost all of us have been involved in it. And they know that eventually we want to get into a permanent facility here for our South Campus. And at North, we want to get into a permanent facility as well. Even though it's permanent, you know that that's rented. And we're about six years old. How many of you live right now in the house or apartment you moved into when you got married? Okay, not many of us, right? And so it makes sense as you're building a family. You know what I mean? Like I, I counted this weekend. Crystal and I, we've been married for 16 years. We've lived, if you count three months and more, three months, uh, two months and more. Let me say two months. We've had a couple of two-month transit. We've lived in 16 different places. Okay, we just bought our first house in January. Now, if, I would, if we would have bought a house way back when we got married, right, it wouldn't be, I can tell you, it wouldn't have been here. Um, it might have, Sandy, Oregon might, or Sandy, Utah might have made the list. Sorry, I lived in a Sandy, I, I lived in a Sandy, Oregon as well. Um, but uh, Sandy, Utah wouldn't have been where we bought that house. So it wouldn't be in the right place, and it wouldn't be the right size, and, and we wouldn't have known what kind of place we want, right? And so a lot of you, it kind of makes sense that, you know, just the whole idea of renting, you know what I mean? Renting and, and upgrading into a condo and figuring out what kind of house you want and maybe buying a small one and then buying... So it just makes sense. So for us as a church, we don't want to rent forever and, and we want to be in a facility. And so we've been talking about uh, 49th Street, the Fun Dome, right? How many of you heard us talk a little bit about that? We've been working on a facility and I want to tell you that everything is really, really, really going well with that. It's officially owned by the bank, all right? They know it and they, they pretty much officially don't want it, all right? So they're looking for it, all right? And... Uh, and it's not a good retail location, and it's a mixed zoning use location, and almost nobody can use it. And, and it really, according to Murray City, we are the, the perfect key that has been missing, the missing key for that kind of place. And our vision for that place is that it would be not just our church, but it would be a community change place that people would know that change happens here, that all kinds of NGOs and, uh, and organizations and People who are working to change the city and the community would be there. And we have some developers working with us, and, and things are really, really looking positive. But we still don't know about that. But as we have, as we've walked into that, we've said, okay, God, if, if we know that, that there's future facilities that we're going, then at what point do we, do we make some changes with our campuses? Okay? Because remember, ultimately, we're going. We're going to multiply, we're going to plant churches, we're going to be in more places. But the place that we're looking is, is kind of between 4,900 and, and here at South Campus for a permanent facility for us as a church. And so, so we've been talking about when do we bring our campuses back together? Okay, when do we reunite our campuses to, to grow, to sharpen each other? When do we reunite for the purpose of growing forward? And... 
to be honest, we've kind of come down to a couple different good times, and we made a decision. We've been working on this. Let me tell you, we actually started working on this in November. Okay, so we've been working on this since November. We just made a decision two weeks ago that, um, that as a campus, as campuses, we're going to rejoin at the start of summer. All right? And so if you're crash, you know that. And uh, if you're not crash, I want you to know that it's pretty normal for that to come as like a big surprise to you. We've been here for a year and a half, and it was never our intention to change this, but it was never our intention that this would be our permanent facility from the start, right? We've always kind of looked forward to what is next, the location that is next. And so I want to talk with you for a few minutes just about, about that. So let me just speak specifically so that you can start to process this. Our last Sunday, as, a, as, as K2 with two different campuses, our last Sunday like that uh, is, is May 22nd. May 22nd, this, this Sunday, and then two more. That's our, our last Sunday here at Salt Lake Community College as a South Campus. At that point, we are going to go the next week, May 29th, to Murray Park and have Memorial Day celebration. Just like, How many of you were at Memorial Day last year? All right, so we're going to have a big party and come together at Memorial Day. Please don't miss it. We'd love to have you. It's a ton of fun and food and just a great, great time. And then June 5th is going to be our first Sunday, everybody back together at 2100 South at our main campus and what at that point will be our, our church campus, right? 2100 South. Um, it, that is a, a temporary change. We're doing that for the summer. Most of us have crazy schedules during the summer anyways. And facilitating a second campus, it just makes sense. If, if we're to choose the start of summer or the end of summer, it wake, makes way more sense to do it at the start of summer. And so we're going we're gonna to be going back there on June 5th, okay? But let me, let me track with you kind of through this process. So as we've talked about this, the biggest deal is you guys. The biggest part of all of this is is us as a church, as people, okay? And so as pastors, and me as your campus pastor, let me just share with you a couple of the things that really we thought about, okay, and we've kind of been working through. So a couple of questions. First, God, what about, what about our people, okay? Uh, because I, I don't know if you experience this, but change that I choose is one thing. How many of you like change that you choose? Yeah, right, because who's in control? Me, right. But change that happens to me, I'm not into that, right? And so it could be pretty easy to take this as change that happens to me, right? And that's difficult. And so God, I just say, God, like, what about, what about our people? What about people who, wow, that's just one change too much. Are you, are you tracking with me? Some of you are like, yes, I'm tracking with you. That's exactly what I'm saying, Right? That's just one change too much. All right? And so, um, man, we have been praying about this. God, how much change can we take? Because we know the opposite way, and we love the tagline, the adventure with him, but, but change is difficult. All right? And so, just, just let me go through a couple of these. Um, just secondly, so us as a campus, God, we knew these changes were coming, but we thought we would move into a different place of our own. And so what does it mean if we go back? Does, does going back and moving into the place we had before, does going back as a church? Now, there's some of us who are going to feel this way. And so 
my question is, God, what about the person who feels like, well, maybe this means that the whole thing was a failure. Maybe this means that the whole coming south thing was, it wasn't the right decision or it wasn't the right timing. There's been a number of people that I've talked to and, uh, you know, on the crash and they get this information and they're like, yeah, I knew it was the wrong thing the whole time. Have you ever met people like that in life? Yeah, they're always after the fact. And so, and if that's you, that's okay. But here's what I want to say. Um, I mean, it's not okay, right? But it's okay. You can, you can wear that. Um, just, just know that we're all laughing at you, right? Okay. All right. So, um, but, but here's, here's the thing is that some of us will feel like, man, I poured in tons of time and sweat and I smashed my finger and have you ever put these things up and what was that all about? And so here's just what I want to say. Um, how many of you, how many of you came to know Christ? Is there anybody here who came to know Christ at South Campus? Anybody trust in Christ at South Campus? Awesome. Would you guys stand up? Yep. Yep. Stand up. How many of you came to know Christ at South Campus? Awesome, Lois. All right. Okay, wait, you guys keep standing. Okay, because it's not just you guys. How many of you guys, um, how many of you guys came to, to K2 for the first time here at South Campus? Stand up. If you came to K2 for the first time at South Campus. Okay, all right. Now, check this out. Okay, stay standing. How many of you, um, you, you came to K2 before, but... You never really plugged in until you came to South Campus. How many of you, is that you? All right. Absolutely. All right. Now, how many of you are more involved in ever with Jesus and, and just the flow of what's going on because you got involved in serving here at South Campus? All right. You stand up if, if that's you. Okay. Now... So just whether you're standing or sitting, just look around. Okay. That is a lot of important work, right? Now, everybody else, listen. Everybody else, I'm going to assume that you were really plugged into a small group and everything like that before, but stand up with these guys, okay? I'm assuming that you were part of K2 before and you were really plugged in and this is... now. It, so I'm assuming that for most of you who are standing, you're, you're pretty plugged in and you're saying, this is my church home and, and following Jesus here is, is significant for me. And so what I want to ask you as a group is, are you, is it your intention to ever go back to life unplugged from Jesus and unplugged from community? Is, is, it, is it your intention to do that, to go back to the way it was before? What if... What if we were evicted from here and we had to meet in the parking lot for a while? Would that change your intention? What if we were like the Chinese church, and like we talked about a couple weeks ago, and, and our Sunday meeting location, which was illegal, got, it got messed up. Now, I know we don't live there, and so it's a little bit wild for us, but let's say it got messed up, it got found out, and we had to move to a new place. Would that change how you're pursuing your experience in community with Jesus? No, it wouldn't. Go ahead and have a seat. But here's the thing. For us as people here, this is so hard because it feels like something that's mine got moved. My cheese got moved, right? Okay? That's what it feels like. And so I want to say that it's been, it's been incredibly valuable in your life and the lives of those around you that we be here. In fact, uh, David York, uh, and if, if you were at, David York is one of the guys who's working on our building and stuff, and, and he said, you know what? It, 
if we never would have gone south, we probably never would have looked south towards facilities. And we never would have even had our mind opened up to the different possibilities. Okay, so let me just throw out a couple other things. Um, when, when, we, when we go from here and we start to meet at North Campus, 2100 South on the tracks uh, again, um, does that change y- your Life Together group and your community group? No. And, and how many of you who are in a Life Together and community group would say that that really is, is the most significant part of my church experience? That there's something there that isn't... I mean, this is fun, but, but change happens in my life there. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that doesn't change at all. In fact, it almost thrives when you think more and more of it as, as a lighthouse. And I totally expect for my Life Together group to continue to thrive and grow and to have identity. And like, I love all of you, but the people in my Life Together group, I mean, they're the ones who I'm really getting to know and do life with, right? How do we, how do we go without knowing exactly what the final destination is? I don't know if you noticed, but there's no, there's no model out in the lobby of exactly what it looks like. There's no well-constructed model or architect plans on the wall or thermometer with the giving and all that kind of stuff. So do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not out there. And so how do we go? Because at the end of the day, what, what we're saying as a leadership team is we really sense, and I got to tell you, it's, there's like 30 people between the, the business board and the spiritual advisory board and the management team and the staff who are all saying, we don't understand it. We never would have seen this a couple years ago, but we really sense that this is where God is leading us. And, and, and so as leaders, we're saying, we know that God is calling to us to this, even though we're not 100% about the fun box and we're not, we're not 100% about the final picture. But we know this is what God's calling us into. And that puts most of you in a place of saying, who, God, can I trust them to be hearing you correctly, or are they just, are they just crazy? Because we had 677 people here two weeks ago. We had 677 people here two, two weeks ago. I mean, think about that. You have got, you, we got to be completely off the chart stupid, right? To walk away from a place where 677 people are willing to get together. And pursue Jesus. It's only when we, we get out there and we're willing to say, God, whatever it looks like, and not just this move, but in our lives to say, God, if there's, if there's an opposite way you're calling me into, then I'm in. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm willing. I believe you love me and you're good. The band's going to come on up. We're going to worship. And... And here's the commitment that I want to make to you. Um, I got to let you know, I've been working on this for almost eight, like seven or eight months. And so uh, as we, as we all began to talk about this, uh, and literally it was really cool that the management team talked about this the same day we got a recommendation later in the day from our facilities team for the same thing. Totally disconnected. They, they held their breath and they said... We're not sure if we're going to get fired or kicked out of the church, but we really feel like the best way forward is this, this reuniting, this uniting for a greater purpose. 
this uniting for a greater cause that we would come back together for a period of time and then and then launch out again and 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 they thought oh man can we even suggest this to them and god gave it to us that morning and and all i'm saying is that 7 months ago this was a big deal for all of us and so i know that you have some processing to do i would love for you guys to continue this conversation with your life together leaders and um and in your groups but but there's some of you that um that really need to process some of this stuff or really need to be heard. And um, I will do my very best to meet with every one of you that want to have that conversation, okay? And so whether that be a group or, you know, a group of you can buy me lunch, that'd be a great thing. And, uh, but, but literally, um, but I, I will, I'll spend time with, with any of you through this process because my highest concern is you. My highest concern is, is the folks that, you know, are on the edges that maybe aren't even here today because they were here a couple weeks ago, right? We have all kinds of plans about how that's going to roll out. We're going to have a connections team in the parking lot for a month after we leave and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but if you have ideas or thoughts, email, small group conversation, please call me or talk to me. Heather, you know Heather. Um, Heather can make an appointment or it'd be great to get together as a group because our highest concern is you. Do you understand that? We love you dearly. And, and we know for some of you this means a, a bit longer commute, but I know that if you are really engaging here, um, that I know that no matter where we end up going, you're going to want to still be in. And so if you have questions about that, I would love to spend time with you. All right, let me pray for us. God, thanks for change. Um, God, change is an opportunity for me to trust in you more. God, I find that I so easily trust in myself and I so easily want things to stay the same, but I find when I stay the same that I'm not growing and I'm not stretching and I'm not trusting in you more and I don't see you move. And God, the most amazing things I've seen in my life have been when you've called me to these crazy opposite ways. So God, there's a, there's a crazy opposite way coming our direction in a few weeks as a campus. And I'm so excited about it. God, I'm so excited for those who are here who are going to meet you in a new way. I'm so excited for the person here who has legitimate feelings and stuff that they're bringing to you and, and you're going to meet them there. And people who are going to sit in a new seat and they're going to hear from you in a new way they're going to meet new people. God, it's my prayer that you would do amazing things in our church, this little place called K2, that you do amazing things in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.